1947, there's this rancher who discovers this weird wreckage on his property as he's going for a ride in New Mexico and near a town called Roswell. This is MJ Benias, journalist and host of Fringe Network, Alien State Podcast. So this crash, it was early July of 1947. And when MJ says weird wreckage, think tinfoil, rubber, some wooden beams. And the rancher, he thinks it's odd, but he just keeps moving along. He ignores it at first, but a few days later, he's like, you know, maybe I should do something about it. So he contacts the local sheriff's department and the sheriff, come, they pick it up. They take it to the Roswell Army base where sort of the Air Force would have been. People started to freak out. Because here's the thing. The summer of 1947, people all over the country were spotting things in the sky. Things that looked just like flying saucers. The Army Air Force... They do their due diligence. They check out the Roswell crash site, and then they release a statement. There is this big announcement that comes out a day later where the Army Air Force says, we have recovered a flying disc. The papers were all over the story the next day. The headline of the Roswell Daily Record on July 8th of 1947 proclaimed, RAAF, that's the Roswell Army Airfield, captures flying saucer on ranch in Roswell region. There it was, right in the headline, flying saucer. Here was finally proof of something that some folks had suspected for quite some time, that other life existed in the universe and it was a whole lot closer to us than we thought. There were aliens. The Roswell crash was the spark that got people not just talking or speculating, but obsessing about aliens. But soon after the papers hit the newsstands, the Army had a new announcement about the mysterious wreckage. The Army kind of walks it back and says, actually, no, it was just a weather balloon. We made a mistake. Sorry, no flying saucer. Officials were clear. No flying disc. But they didn't say anything else. And when you know there is a lack of information, the imagination and the rumors, they run wild. People start talking about the fact that, you know, there was this weird flying saucer crash. And is the army covering it up? Or is something actually going on? Are there actually dead aliens? For decades, people debated whether the crash was from some secret weapons technology or actual proof of life on other planets. And Roswell became UFO lore. Roswell bakes itself into like UFO culture. It becomes kind of this essential part of the UFO kind of universe. In the mid-90s, the debate around Roswell, the questions that remain unanswered, would step back into the spotlight. And it was all tied to just less than 17 minutes of videotape. It was footage that could change everything. Now see evidence that may prove aliens exist. What they saw was not from this world. Alien Autopsy, Fact or Fiction, Sunday. I'm Alzo Slade, and this is Cheat, the podcast where we ask, is it ever okay to break the rules? This week, how one piece of footage captured a country and fueled a conspiracy. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Even though it had been decades since the crash, Roswell had lingered in the public consciousness. The American people felt like they never really got an answer about what happened in 1947. The U.S. Air Force is routinely accused of concealing a deep, dark secret from the American people. The pressure mounted, even from American congressional members who demanded more information. There was a request for a records review. The objective of this search was to tell the Congress and the American people what the Air Force knew about the 1947 Roswell claims. And then in 94, the U.S. Air Force released a report. The Air Force came out and said, listen, the whole Roswell thing was actually a spy balloon. There was no alien ship, no crash flying saucer. Here's what it was, and it was called Project Mogul. Project Mogul was part of a then-classified Army Air Force project that started in 1946. Mogul was a high priority for the U.S. Its goal, to detect whether the Soviet Union was testing atomic weapons. The Army Air Forces sent out weather balloons with sensitive recording devices. And it was one of those weather balloons that crashed in Roswell in 47. That announcement from the Air Force really divided the UFO community. For some in the UFO community, it was like, oh, well, there you go. That's what it was. It was a spy balloon. It all makes sense now. No crash at Roswell. That's all bullshit. But the other half of the UFO community was like, fuck that shit. This is definitely a conspiracy. This is definitely a cover-up. The Air Force is lying. They for sure have dead aliens. And then in 1995, a year after that information about Project Mogul came out, Ray Santilli, a British music and television producer, makes a special trip to the Fox network with a buddy of his. They've got a pitch for a show. Now, Santilli is a producer. Pitching, it's his bread and butter. But this isn't like anything he's done before because what he has with him is not the usual music or movie. No. This day, he has footage of something he can guarantee the public has never seen before. Something that will terrify and transfix them. And, he adds, it's tied to that mysterious crash in 47. It's tied to Roswell. He shows it to the big shots at Fox, anxiously waiting for their reaction. And they love it. Fox looked at it and there was like this immediate like affection for it. They knew the second they saw it that this would make them a, a small fortune. What was it that excited them so much? It was an autopsy of an alien. Greetings, Earthlings. And it's not just any dead alien. The claim is that this alien was recovered at the UFO crash at Roswell, New Mexico in 1947, the autopsy of one of the dead aliens that was picked up. Find out after the break. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. 
but she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to True Spies, the podcast that takes you deep inside the greatest secret missions of all time. Suddenly out of the dark disappeared bin Laden. You'll meet the people who live life undercover. What do they know? What are their skills? And what would you do in their position? Vengeance felt good. Seeing these people pay for what they'd done felt righteous. True Spies from Spyscape Studios, wherever you get your podcasts. I remember as a kid sitting in my basement in my parents' house uh, watching on like a 27-inch tube TV in 1995, the same year the Macarena came out, as a point of reference. Ah, the Macarena. Well, we at Cheat would like to issue a formal apology for infecting your brain with this song for the next couple days. Because that's just what it does, unfortunately. Now, back to the story. It was 1995, and MJ was nine years old. He was sitting with his parents, watching a program on Fox. Alien Autopsy. Fact or fiction? It was hosted by Star Trek alumni Jonathan Frakes, who played Commander Riker. I was a big Star Trek fan. I still am. If what you are about to see is real... It's the most startling film footage in history. We were sort of gathered around the TV on the couch, and for some reason, my parents had this strange philosophy of parenting where it was like, you're allowed to watch things you shouldn't. This one-hour special had been hyped up for weeks. Fox had put so much money into marketing it. And people, they were amped to find out what really happened at Roswell. It began with basically the host, Jonathan Frakes, kind of talking about the Roswell UFO crash. This film we're about to show you is either the first documentary evidence that an alien being visited our planet, or it's one of the most ambitious and fantastic frauds ever put on film. Santilli claimed he bought the footage from a retired military cameraman who was flown into Roswell to capture the autopsy. This is Santilli talking about what the guy told him. What he saw was a disc, a flying disc that had crashed. He saw all these creatures that he calls freaks laying outside of the vehicle, screaming in pain for most of it. Freaks leads us into this kind of, all right, we are now going to show you the autopsy. And I have to issue a warning at this point. What you are about to see is extremely graphic. It looks like they're in like this kind of 1940s medical room, like a hospital room or something. There's sort of an old phone on the wall. The surgeons are wearing kind of old school hazmat suits that you'd kind of see in the 1940s or 50s. Very old kind of instruments, medical instruments like needles and scissors and scalpels and whatever. There are three military doctors in a half circle around a table. It's a pretty eerie scene. Everything is gray and grainy. And right there on the table is the dead alien. I have never performed an autopsy on anybody that even closely resembles uh, the being that we see on this film. It looks to be like four feet 
tall. It's got this kind of large, bulbous head, big, black, kind of dead eyes, you know, a very small slit for a mouth, no nose, or at least a very, very small nose, no hair. And it's just like your traditional kind of X-Files alien gray lying on this table. The doctors are cutting the alien open, examining his innards. There's this black, gooey-looking stuff. They open the chest. They pierce its flesh with tools. And they start pulling the skin back as if they're performing an actual autopsy on a corpse. The special also included a bunch of testimonies of people trying to figure out if this tape was real. And then it cuts to kind of almost like documentary-style footage of people who say they were there and saw stuff, researchers who who have written books about the Roswell incident, all of this stuff, kind of painting this picture of, like, this is why Roswell as a UFO case matters. A former Roswell AAF public relations officer, Roswell eyewitnesses, journalists, experts from Kodak, pathologists, costume and puppet designers, even an Egyptology researcher. And some of the people featured... Well, they seem to be leaning toward fact. As reluctant as I am to say it, that uh, what I have seen here uh, does not appear to be a human being. What, what is this? Ray Santilli was clear. His goal was to get the footage out there. He felt like the public needed to know. All we're doing is we're placing it into the public domain and saying, look, here it is, please investigate us. And the big question I think that Fox really posed, is this real? Is this actually finally evidence that the United States government is in possession of a dead alien body? And if you join us after the break, you might just find out. As a nine-year-old kid, I was convinced this was 100% real. And not only that, I had Commander Riker from Star Trek telling me it was basically real. And I was like, well, listen, if he's telling me um, this, is, this is sure as shit a real dead alien. MJ's mind was blown. And he wasn't the only one mesmerized by what he saw. The special was an absolute hit. It garnered something at the time, like 12 million viewers watched this show drop. And it would go sort of 1995-level viral. And Fox cashed in. They aired the special three times. So lots of people watched it. But did they believe it? Yes, MJ did. But not everyone at the time was a nine-year-old Trekkie. Which means that as soon as that special aired, people started investigating. Immediately after, there was sort of the red flag started popping up. So the Skeptical Inquirer, it still exists today, it was kind of like the big skeptic magazine. They started kind of taking it apart. They called in a bunch of experts. They kind of wrote articles about it. And other journalists also weighed in. You had a bunch of news agencies kind of getting involved and be like, is this real or fake? And a whole bunch of red flags were raised. And it didn't take too long for some glaring holes to appear in this story. The Skeptical Inquirer was one of many looking into this video starting with some aspects of the film setting. The telephone, for example, on the wall, that was a big one. Like, that phone wasn't invented until the 50s. So why was it hanging in a room in 1947? Okay, okay. For some reason, the phone on the wall hadn't been invented yet. But this was an army base. So if there was any place that would have advanced technology, wouldn't it be the military? Hold on. But there were other details, too. Somebody wrote an article about the way the surgeon was holding the the scissors to cut the body open was incorrect. Apparently, he was holding the scissors like a tailor, not like a surgeon. Hmm. 
So maybe not the most professional surgeon, or maybe he was just thrown off. I mean, you're cutting open an alien body. They don't really train you to do that in medical school. But there were other inconsistencies too, not just about the room or the people in it, but the actual tape itself. The way the film was recorded, it, clearly this was like a VHS, not a, a 16 millimeter like 1947 camera, or or it was 16 millimeters, but it was filtered through like a VHS tape system. And so like there was a bunch of errors right off the bat that people pointed out. So it's safe to say doubt was sold for some, but not all. It was a hot button issue within UFO circles for a decade, like for 10 years until 2006, there was debates as to whether this was an authentic video or not. And then in the mid 2000s, the real truth about the autopsy was uncovered. It was right before a new film was about to be released called Alien Autopsy. On one day, millions saw one film that was out of this world. 2006. The movie was a mockumentary of the original 1995 Fox special. But right before it was released, part of their team came out with a shocking confession. The people who built the alien, who made the puppet that was the alien, came forward and said, we built that thing. What? A puppet? The whole time? No, no, say it ain't so. It was a British special effects kind of company. They worked, for example, on Doctor Who back in the 80s and in the 90s. And the reason why they came forward to admit it is because they were actually working on another alien show or another alien film or whatever it was. And they were using the exact same model, basically. And they realized people were going to notice that it was, like, identical. The alien was a fake. But... I mean, when you watch the film, it did look kind of real. The doctors were cutting into flesh that oozed. There were all sorts of alien innards and everything. Well, as it turns out, all of that was elaborately designed. One of the guys, they constructed the flesh out of different animal parts and cuts and guts and stuff, and he sewed them together. I mean, you got to respect the commitment to the bit. In fact, the guy who actually built the flesh of the puppet admitted he was the doctor operating on it in the film. And he also said, like, my brother-in-law was, like, one of the nurses. Like, it was it was one of those where they came forward and said, we totally put this together and we destroyed all of the evidence. Like, we destroyed the original alien puppet because we didn't want to get busted at the time. One by one, bit by bit, people came forward. Information came out. The seemingly authentic footage was an elaborate staged act, one that was very convincing, but fake. So, case is closed, right? Not exactly. People started looking into Ray Santilli. He was the guy who brought the footage to Fox, who assured them that it was authentic and swore by his source. What was he going to say? How was he going to respond to the people who confessed to their role in the hoax? Ray? Well, he admitted it was a staged recreation. But he also said it was based on something real. He kind of doubles down on the story. 
He claims that in 1992, I was shown footage from a retired army cameraman who was there at the time. He recorded an autopsy of a dead alien from the Roswell crash. He had the footage and he kept it in his attic basically and didn't talk about it until he found me and showed it to me and I saw the footage in 1992. By the time he was willing to give me the footage and by the time I I was ready to create this documentary about it, the footage had become unusable. It just kind of rotted out. Santilli did apologize. I mean, he didn't tell people at first that this was staged, but he kept a firm line. He maintained that he had seen footage of a real-life alien autopsy at some point. He says it, it is real in the sense that I saw footage. I have a few of those frames in the cut, and it is real, but I had to recreate it from memory, and that's why I brought in the special effects team to put this together. There you have it. And Santilli stands by that to this day. Santilli stands by it that this is 100% authentic. See, here's the thing, though. No one has ever been able to confirm the existence of the original autopsy film, the one Santilli says he saw. And Santilli refused to reveal the name of his military cameraman source. How convenient. Our agreement with the cameraman was to protect his privacy, which is how we acquired the footage in the first place. If he can get some kind of assurance that he's not going to be hounded uh, by, by people... Nobody has been able to track him down. Fox certainly didn't confirm the origin of it. They were determined to let the viewer decide for themselves. Depending on who you talk to, there was this kind of mixed response, right? I think a lot of people at Fox were like, this is, this is definitely bullshit, right? Like, this is clearly bullshit. But, you know, we're Fox. So, so we're going to strap a fact or faked question mark at the end as if that's okay. And we're going to air it anyway right? We're going to let the people decide what's true and what's not true. So they let the people decide. And here's what they found. Not everyone was on the same page, which for Fox, that was pretty good. An ambiguous conclusion? Now that can sell. They just kept showing the special and people kept watching. Santilli's quasi-reveal didn't really change that at all. People are so convinced that Roswell was this important UFO crash incident that it it galvanized them. And this video was just another kind of piece of evidence of like, look, we have the footage. How can you guys say that there was no alien crash? Here's footage of a dead alien being autopsied. Obviously, it's real, guys. For the folks who believe that this is real, they can always find an explanation to justify their reasoning. And any evidence to the contrary, well... That's just part of the cover-up. I think people sort of saw it and they chose to believe. And it doesn't matter what you say now, you're simply part of the cover-up, right? If you're saying it's not real, you're part of the conspiracy to, like, lie to the American people about the aliens. As time has gone by and more investigative work has gone into the alien autopsy, it's pretty much become generally accepted that the footage itself is fake. But it's alleged tied to Roswell makes this artifact a permanent fixture in UFO history. Because Roswell, that's still up for debate in some circles. I think generally, the broader kind of UFO subculture has accepted the alien autopsy footage is fake. But 
it still gets discussed, it still gets brought up, because it still ties to a core belief within UFO circles that Roswell was an actual UFO crash. As long as there are people who still believe or see the value in these stories, there will always be viewers and ways to make money like Fox did and people like Santilli, who's still at it. Last year, Santilli, the filmmaker, took what he claims is an authentic clip from the alien autopsy video, one of the original clips from 1947, and placed it on Rarible as an NFT, saying that this is a legitimate image of a dead alien on an operating table from 1947, and I'm selling it as an NFT for, it was 450 Ethereum, which equated back then to about a million dollars. It's unclear if the NFT sold, and it's not on Rarible anymore, but I guess it definitely doesn't hurt to try. Yo, I see you, Santilli. I see your game. You know, what strikes me about this story is that at the heart of it, it's the very real human impulse to investigate. We are curious people, and generally that's a good thing. We want to get the answers. We want to make sense of the things around us. Our brains are literally hardwired to find ways to make some sort of story out of our experiences. But this same impulse can also be the force that sustains a hoax, pulling apart explanations until something matches up with the belief that we hold. I mean, we all do it. You know, that tricky confirmation bias. And if you follow that path far enough, I mean, shit, just about anything can start to seem possible. Well, here at Cheat, I'm not sure what all the staff believes, whether they are aliens or not. But if there are aliens out there listening, and if y'all come to visit us, just have pity on us poor souls down here on Earth. Because we come in peace. That was MJ Benias, whose podcast Fringe Network, Alien State, looks at alien conspiracy within the U.S. government. So, folks, this is going to be our last episode just for a quick minute. We'll be back August 9th with a whole new season. But don't worry, we're going to be releasing some of the fan faves while we're gone. And to kick it off, we're picking one that so many of you have loved. Get ready. This is the Swedish Royal Residence. They have this sort of little Chinese museum on the grounds. Early in the morning, thieves light cars on fire in the city. As the police are responding to these car fires, the thieves break in and very cunningly steal exactly what they're looking for. It seems like they're working from a sort of shopping list. Hear the whole thing next week. Hey folks, thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Cheat wherever you get it. And please do leave a rating and a review if you like what we're doing. It helps other people discover the show. And of course, we want more listeners. Also, if you want to listen to the show without the ads, you can subscribe to Cheat Plus. It's like cheat, but better. It's just $2.99 a month, or if you're in the UK, £2.49. And you get all of this without having to listen to those annoying commercials. Just go to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe instead of follow. You can try it for free now. Cheat is written and presented by me, Alzo Slade. 
This episode was produced by Julia Doyle. The executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Tom Koenig. The series editor is Megan Dietrich. Engineering, sound design, and scoring by Martin Peralta at Output Media. Our production coordinators are Jennifer Mystery and Iker Egbatola. <laughs>